Jam, I, I know most of you. Um, I'm on the staff team here at His St Paul's and the it's rain always as great to be with sun, you at so. Oasis. Um, before I start, I must apologise for the technology this morning. Uh, we've been having a bit of a struggle with that. Um, we've kind of got it sorted now. It just shows us how much uh, we need Caroline, I think. Um, but there's clearly an issue with this, a completely separate issue with this uh, screen. So I'll, I'll let the powers that be know and hopefully we'll get that sorted. Um, no, it's just that one, and it, it, it's not your fault. It's a. I have turned. I've turned it off and on, and it's not. Yeah, uh, I think it's on its way out because it was a funny colour for a while, wasn't it? Before we. Uh, so yeah. Okay. So, over the last uh, few months, you've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount in Oasis, um, and. Um, that's uh, the talks that you've been having are based on uh, Mickey Gumbel's book, this one, The Jesus Lifestyle, which is a really good read if you haven't read it. Uh, and today we reach uh, what may be some of the most challenging words, uh, not just in this bit of the Bible, but actually in the whole Bible. Um, I'm going to read the whole passage now, not the whole Sermon on the Mount, you'll be glad to hear, but uh, the bit we're focusing on today. And the words that are really, really challenging, uh, come right at the end of this. So, very familiar words. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And as Jesus says, this pretty well sums up not just his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, but all the teaching in the Bible, uh, right from the Old Testament prophets and the leaders, um, right up to the time of Jesus and beyond. And today, I want to just explore a little bit what that might look like. So shall we just pray? Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a loving God who always treats us well. And we pray that as we uh, explore these challenging words, you would be with us and help us to take on board what that might mean for us. Amen. So we don't have to look too far to see the results of not following the commandment. It's nothing new. Our world is full of examples of relationships that have broken down because people have treated each other badly. And the damage that that can do, not just to the people involved in that relationship, but well beyond that. It's got a kind of ripple effect. In the book, Nicky Gumbel tells us the story of this man, Lee, uh, a young man who grew up in a very troubled and broken home. He never really experienced the love of either of his parents or of anyone else, really. His father died before he was born. His mother was abusive and distant. He was rejected by all the boys his own age, so he grew up to be a loner. He dropped out of school and he joined uh, the army, um, but he, wasn't, he didn't manage to submit to the discipline that was required in the army, and eventually he was dishonorably discharged. 
He went to live abroad for a while, and while he was there, he married a woman who also came from a broken home. And soon enough, she too rejected him and treated him with contempt. Um, and um, she did her best, really, to humiliate him. He tried to leave her, but he was so lonely that eventually he begged her to take him back, um, only to experience this cycle of rejection and humiliation at her hands again. And finally, he was so broken and humiliated that he decided to give up. The next day, he took a rifle that he'd been, holding, uh, that he'd been hiding to his new job in a book storage building. And early in the afternoon of the 22nd of November 1963, as maybe some of you here might remember, he shot President Kennedy from a window on the third floor. And it's probably no coincidence that Lee Harvey Oswald, who was rejected and unloved, killed the man who probably more than anyone else at that time in the world embodied the kind of success, wealth and love that he so sadly lacked in his own life. So Lee Harvey Oswald might be a very extreme example, but in our own country and right now today, many, many children are growing up feeling insecure and unloved and insecure in their relationships and worried about the future. Each year, for the last eight years, the Children's Society has researched the emotional well-being of children and teenagers, and they publish their findings every year. Um, it's a good read, it's a sobering read, uh, particularly the headlines, um, and they produce every year the Good Childhood Report. And um, what's becoming clear is that the children, that children and young people are increasingly unhappy, and they're increasingly insecure. They're worried about money, they're worried about their safety, but they're particularly worried about their relationships. Uh, so key findings from just this year are that around a quarter of a million 10 to 15-year-olds are unhappy with their lives. Quarter of a million. One in 12 boys, it's much more for girls, are unhappy with their appearance. Now that's been the case for girls for a long time, but it's becoming increasingly the case with boys as well. Our children are under pressure to look good. It's horrible, isn't it? Young people are less and less happy with their friendships. Young people feel that they're not listened to and that their concerns about the world they live in are not taken seriously. And this is not just an issue, of course, in this country. It's an issue, and it's not just an issue for children. For, for too many people, their relationships are failing them. And as a society, we're really not good at relationships. But the good news is that Jesus' teaching tells us a lot about how to have good, healthy relationships. Later in his ministry, Jesus was asked, what was the greatest commandment? And as you know, he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's very similar to the verse that we started with today. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And these are words to live by and actually underpin a lot of ethical teaching 
not just in the Christian world, but in the secular world as well. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this was radical teaching then, and it still is. There there were people at that time who taught a kind of diluted version of this, um, a version of doing to others as you would have them do to you, but it was framed quite negatively in terms of not actually doing any harm to other people. And Jesus is actually saying much more than that. Not that we we won't, not just that we won't intentionally hurt other people, but that we'll actively seek to help them, even if that means putting ourselves out to do it. So it's not just about not stealing or cheating other people. It's about giving generously to people who are in need. It's not just about not committing adultery. It's about supporting people in their marriages, especially when they're struggling. It's not just about not killing people. It's also about speaking out about injustices in the world that cut life short for so many people in every situation. It's about asking, so sorry, in every, sorry, I said that wrong. In every situation, it's about asking ourselves, how would we want to be treated if we were in that situation? And to offer that kind of help and support to others, we need to be part of a community. It's not easy to live our lives like this. The desire to put ourselves and our own needs first is a really powerful one in each one of us. And the verse that tells us to do unto others as you would have them do to you comes at the end of a few verses of teaching. And these give us some pointers as to how to live our lives like this. So the first thing we need to do is to reach out for God. We can't do it on our own. Verse 7 in that passage says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. This is what we're made to do. We're made to reach out to God, to seek him. And the tense that is used in the original Greek is the, what they call the present continuous. So it has more of a sense of keep on asking, not just ask and you will receive, but keep on asking, keep on. It's something that we should keep on doing. It's not something that we sign up to, to do once and forget about it. It's something that we have to make a real focus of our lives. Keep on asking, keep on knocking. And, uh, and God promises that if we seek him, we will find him. If we open our hearts to him, he will fill them with his love. And our relationship with him is what we were created for. So it's reaching out to God. It's really keep doing that. And we all need a sense of purpose in life because without that, life can seem meaningless. There's not much point in getting out of bed in the morning to do much the same as we did uh, yesterday and the day before and the day before that unless we have a sense that there's a purpose to our lives, that we're working for something worthwhile. Nicky Gumbel quotes Barack Obama, who talks about people needing a sense of purpose in life in his book, The Audacity of Hope. He says, people want a sense of purpose, a narrative arc to their lives, something that will relieve a chronic loneliness or lift them above the exhausting, relentless toll of daily life. They need an assurance that somebody out there cares about them, is listening to them, that they're not just destined to travel down a long highway towards nothingness. 
And he also talks in the book about how seeing Christians living with that sense of purpose, which prompted them to work for the good of others, had led to him becoming a Christian himself. He says, I spent month after month working with church folks who simply wanted to help neighbours who were down on their luck, no matter what they looked like or where they came from or who they prayed to. It was on those streets, in those neighbourhoods, that I first heard God's spirit beckon me. It was there that I felt called to a higher purpose, his purpose. So first, reach out to God and ask for that sense of purpose in life. And second, we need to relate to God, and we need to relate to God as our Father. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus taught us to relate to God as our Father, to call him Abba, or Daddy, as it would have, uh, would have been a, quite a close translation, a loving, a really intimate relationship. And that would have been really radical in those days to those people who first heard Jesus. Relating to God in that sort of personal, intimate way was just unheard of. God was seen as distant, somebody you respected, you kept in awe, but not somebody you had an intimate relationship with. Uh, Nicky Gumbel, again, tells the story of a man who worked for Microsoft. And uh, through a combination of circumstances, he was demonstrating something to somebody else. Uh, he accidentally sent a letter that he'd written for his father uh, to over 500 senior managers and executives in Microsoft. And uh, this is what the letter said. So, dear dad, as at last I'm writing to you. I've thought about you almost daily. I've not written because I've known that I could not write without saying something that would challenge your thinking and tug at your heart. However, my words aim to be an encouragement. I'm playing soccer weekly and playing a team which is doing well. We won our last game 9-1. I have a vitality for life that makes me feel fitter, stronger, happier and more peaceful than ever before. God is restoring the lost years. Many people at Microsoft, and this is the, uh, the letter that the uh, top executives were reading, really do not have a life outside work. The organization plays an unhealthily central role to their existence. By worldly standards, this may appear not a bad option, but it is absolutely no comparison to having Jesus Christ as central to one's existence as he is to mine. He lives inside me, and he is able to guide every one of my thoughts, words, and deeds if I am obedient to his will. Do you know how much I have craved to speak to you, soft heart to soft heart, even during my most rebellious years? For so many years, we have communicated mask to mask. And it went on. He was a bit worried <laughs> um, about how people would respond. Uh, but he actually got some very interesting responses, including one, I'm told, from Bill Gates himself. I'm not sh I don't know what Bill Gates said, but I don't think it was negative. In particular, one of the directors wrote to him to say how moved he'd been by that letter. His own father had died just a month before that, and he said that he'd never known a son speak so lovingly to his father before, and he'd been moved to tears by that. Another colleague actually came in to see him to tell him 
that he'd returned to faith as a result of reading that letter. And that's the power that a loving relationship between a father and a son can have on people. And of course, the loving relationship we can have with our Heavenly Father is even more powerful. When we feel secure in the love that God has for us, that equips us to look to the needs of others. And when we feel insecure, we tend to act more selfishly. But when we feel confident in being loved and cherished, we're more able to pass on that love to others. So we reach out to God to find our purpose, and we relate to God as our Father. And thirdly, we rely on God's goodness to us. Jesus said, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Bread and fish were the staple foods in the Galilee region at that time. So Jesus' listeners would have understood how important those two things were. And when we choose to follow Jesus and put others first, we can worry that we might miss out on something good. As an 18-year-old, I first started to realize that I needed to make a choice about whether I wanted to follow Jesus or not. And one of the things that made me put off that decision was that I was enjoying life at university a lot. And I was afraid that becoming a Christian was going to mean giving up all sorts of things that I enjoyed and that life would become very dull. Um, And I'm very glad now that I did take that step of faith. And in fact, life as a Jesus follower has been far from dull. Um, Jesus is telling us that we can trust God to give us good things. He wants the best for us. The people there would have been familiar with all the Greek myths. I don't know if you know any of the Greek myths, but they're full of gods who kind of take a delight in tricking human beings so that when humans ask for something, they maybe get exactly what they ask for, but in a way that's really not helpful and really uh, not going to bless them at all. But Jesus is saying that our God is not like that. He longs to give us good gifts. We can trust him. And that's one reason why God doesn't always answer our prayers, because sometimes the things we ask for, he knows are not the right things for us, ultimately. Those of us who are parents know that we only want the best for our children. And we're flawed human beings. We can trust God to want the best for us. So we reach out to God, we relate to him as our father, and we trust him to be good to us. And lastly, we need to rise to the challenge that he's given us. In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Love, the world tells us that love is just kind of something that happens to us. We fall in love, we act, you know, almost like it's an accident. But actually, love is a choice that we can make. When I first became a Christian, I really struggled with the idea that I had to love my neighbor as myself. Some people were easy enough to love, uh, but some people I found very hard to love. I don't know if you know anyone like that, but there there were a few in my life at that point. And I remember praying about this and thinking, how am I ever gonna be able to do this? And eventually, I heard God say that what I needed to do was just act lovingly, and the love would follow. And it's something that I found true in life. The more that I act lovingly towards people, the more I get to know them and I'm able to see what God loves about them. And the most surprising people can respond really well when they're shown love. 
Now, please understand, I'm not putting myself forward at all as a shining example of acting lovingly. I get it wrong so many times. But I have found that when we act on Jesus' command to do unto others as we would have them do to us, we will find that it can transform relationships. After all, if everyone did that, if we really took that on board, there'd be no slavery in the world. There'd be no war, there'd be no violence. There'd be a world that was full of justice and love. And just think how that would change our world. So I'm going to finish with a challenge to each one of us. We're just going to have a few moments of quiet. And in the quiet, just ask God to put in your mind somebody who you need to act more lovingly towards. I'll do the same. Uh, and then try to show... And then can I just challenge you in the next few days to try to show some love to that person? So let's just be quiet and ask God to show us that. Father God, thank you so much that you love us, however uh, badly we treat you, however much we let you down. And in the quiet now, we ask you to just bring to mind anyone who we need to act more lovingly towards and maybe just give us an idea of how we can do that in the next few days. So let's just be quiet. And so, Father, I ask that you would give us the strength and the grace to follow through on loving people who we find hard to love and on doing to others as we would have them do to us. In your name, amen. Thank you.